Welcome to the Talking Writing Podcast. I'm John Vogel, TW's Creative Director. In today's episode, I speak with artist Christian McCulloch, aka Wart. Christian is a writer and artist and spent 30 years teaching and living in East Asia. He now lives in London. I first met Christian when we were choosing art for the cover of our Creative Lifer issue, and his piece, Look Up and Follow Instructions, depicting a solitary figure in a boat under what looks like an eye in the sky, seemed to fit the theme perfectly. In that same issue, I used several other pictures of his work for my essay, My Anarchist Heart. These two connections set off a long correspondence between us discussing various facets of art, and in one of his emails, he mentioned a recent relationship situation in which he and his partner had separated, but still remained in the same household because of their financial status. As we started to plan for our theme of relationships and how they interact with art, I reached out to him to see if he'd be willing to talk about that theme in our podcast. This interview took place over Zoom in late March 2023. the history of the relationship and and how and and we've we've talked about this a little bit before but um you know yeah. um the 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 experience of living with somebody while while separating if you could give I me the have background to the broad, i have to look at the broader things because otherwise it begins to get personal i don't want to see on, be on the personal side right what often happens everybody everybody is naturally creative people who say oh i'm not creative it's they've just closed the door because other people have told them what they're talking about is talent. And talent is something that it, it's a judgment. And everybody's capable of creating something. Even if you're just looking <clears throat> at a damp patch on the wall and you see a face and then you look to see what else you can see, you're moving into that creative area within yourself. Now, <clears throat> if you're living with a creative person like you are, you both share that well, wherever it comes from. But some people, they, they, they meet someone who's creative and they, they sort of attach themselves and say, this person is, is creative and I see them as being this and I want to follow. I, they almost become like a disciple type thinking. <laughs> this can be very nice if, if the ego is concerned. But also what happens, of course, is that people grow at different rates. And when in a relationship, you start to see the cracks and you start to see the warts and things like that. And gradually things can change. Now, this is the situation I found myself in. And not often what happens is the creative person goes on. The, non the person who considers they're not so creative they then become confused and don't know what the person is going on about anymore. So they're growing at different rates. But when you get to a certain age, like I'm in my 60s, I've been through three marriages and quite a lot of uh, um, relationships. I didn't want to be in a situation where we start slanging at each other because we couldn't move out because we financially, neither of us had the wherewithal to move somewhere else. So we had to stay together. 
if you're stuck in a situation like that, you can give the whole thing over and then your ego will say, well, no, she did this, he did this, blah, blah, blah. and you end up fighting. Well, that's no good, especially if you've got children involved. Mm-hmm. So it was an unsaid thing that we would, would cohabit, but we would have, I would respect her life, she would respect my life. Now, at that time, I was writing stories and doing it quite nicely. But what I discovered was I had to focus very strongly on that in order to take myself away from the situation, the domestic situation. But couldn't, you can't deny something like that. You've always got this voice, this monkey chatter going into your mind sort of about it. So what I used to do is say, right, I will work eight hours in the coffee shop or wherever, and then I will give myself 20 minutes and I will think about the situation. And I would do that. And then if the 20 minutes was up, then I would say, okay, I'll continue thinking about it tomorrow. And what I found was that this became a habit and the, the subconscious deals with it. It says, right, okay, you're in work mode now. So you work, right? Now's time for us to talk about this. And you find that 20 minutes starts, things get resolved quite naturally. And then you find that you feel softer about the whole situation and you still keep the 20 minutes because you still need to think about the partner you had. And then sometimes you're thinking, well, what shall I think? You know, I mean, I've got this 20 minutes and, uh, hmm. And then, of course, you start to think nicer things. And then nicer things start to happen. I'm not saying that the, the relationship sort of went, you know, came back together and things like that, but it made it comfortable to live with and somehow it was comfortable for both of us to live in and to the point where we were able to separate quite nicely I went off came to London and found myself in the next part of the journey because what I'd learned in the writing was the process of getting to that point of a writer and any artist a, a musician a composer anything where you kind of zone out, you leave the consciousness behind and somehow you're in this magical place where time just expands and does all kinds of things. And it's that wonderful moment, you know what I'm talking about, this moment of of connection with creativity. It lasts for maybe only, oh, I don't know, sometimes it would be like a couple of minutes, but if you work on it, it's that couple of minutes starts to grow and get longer and longer and longer. And then, of course, you have to say to yourself, well, if I can hold this for so long, why can't I just slip into it? At will. Of course, with practice, it can be done. You're describing somewhat of the flow state that, um, yes. that, that people Athletes. talk about. Athletes call it in the zone. Mm-hmm. Like, I agree with you that everybody is creative, but I think um, without practice, it's very difficult to get into that zone, except for maybe like uh, very occasionally. And uh, how how do you feel like the role of your uh, stories and also your visual art um, played during the course of the separation? Do you feel like it was just something to to get you out of that? mindset or do you or like a coping mechanism or yes no yes it wasn't easy a breakup is never easy Mm -hmm. but 
what are you going to do? You've got to, you've got to get through it. You know, whatever happens, you know you're going to get through it. It's a question of how well you can get through it. And so I devised the writing, got me out of the house. That gave her freedom for the house. It gave me freedom from my imagination. It worked fine. And then I would come back at 11 o'clock when she goes to bed and I would go to sleep. And this is, well, this is what just day after day after day after day. Now, I have to backtrack a little bit because, as I said, I, and, and I've been in the art scene for many, many years and consciously pulled out of it. I ceremoniously burnt all my work and said, that's it. I'm done with all this. People want to become an artist for lots of different reasons. And I just felt that I was really not getting anywhere. When I was a little boy, um, I watched this man, or maybe I was six, and I watched this man, he was sitting underneath the tree and he was doing a sketch of what he saw. And I sneaked up behind him and I looked over his shoulder and what I saw changed my life entirely. He, as the pencil moved across the paper, the thing that I could see in front of me was just appeared. And I thought to myself, now that magic I want. Because of the six-year-old, everything's magical. But this was a point. This was a, something that I could go for and I could work on it. So I wanted to know, what's my idea of an artist? And what I'd found was that in my mind, I thought an artist was someone who suffered in a garret for his art and nobody understood him. And it didn't matter because he, inside, he knew he was right. And that seemed like a very sort of chivalrous and Arthurian sort of wonderful up thing to, to hold up. But it's not. <laughs> it's not. Because it's, it's all based, because what happened was that's exactly the life that I moved towards. And it became a battle with the ego. The ego says, I must succeed. I must do this. I must have an exhibition here. I must impress this person. And I was doing my work in order to, to be hopefully one step ahead of everybody else. I wasn't following the art journey. I was trying to impose my ego ideas of what an artist was to, to live my life. And gradually, of course, I realized that I was wrong. I needed to sort of reevaluate who I was. This took years, John. It took years. I mean, maybe 30, 40 years until I realized that I was coming. I'd looked at all this in the wrong way. And so I, but I didn't get that at the time. I decided I've had enough, cut, burn everything. I've been screwed so many times in exhibitions. People have stolen my paintings literally out of the galleries. When I first started painting, you, you paid a 35% commission. By the time I was in Bond Street, they wanted 60%. 60%. And you get involved with an agent and then it goes even higher. You come out with nothing, but your ego drives you forward. And I thought, right, that's it, I'm done. But that creative urge, which will, let's call it Jung's collective consciousness, but instead of consciousness, let's call it collective creativity, is out there. And you've cut yourself off. But this is very much a part of your life. And, and it's kind of knocking on your door all the time, saying, why have you cut me, shut me out? Why don't you let me back in? Let me back in. And so I pushed my creativity into writing stories. And I've had quite a lot of stories published. But then came lockdown, and then I 
realized that really I was a, a visual artist. And I had a long argument with myself because I didn't want to sort of just give up. I'd, I'd, been, I'd made a dramatic uh, point. I am quitting. But it was nagging at me. And I knew, eventually I said, OK, right, I'll go with it. And then this creative energy comes back, but it doesn't come back straight away. You have to sort of go back to where you were. You have to bring yourself back to the thinking, to the, the fine motor skills, the gross motor skills that you had, you needed, and the thinking patterns. The writing, for me, established how to get into the practice of getting in the zone. When I was in the zone, lockdown came along, nighttime, nobody around, easy to expand from within there. When I moved to London, I, I sort of moved into a house where smoking was just not on. So I used to go out in the evenings and sort of smoke outside. And I started to draw. And because you're not totally in the dark, mm-hmm. you're obviously what you're doing is you're, you're, you're seeing things in tones. So you're drawing totally in tones. And then when you bring it back and then you look at it, the colors sort of come up. And they're not at all what you imagined they were. Mm-hmm. And that led me to believe, well, this is kind of interesting. But there were also lots of little magical things that happened. Because you're sitting there day after day, night after night, drawing for, say, a couple of hours, little creatures come up, see you, sniff around you, and eventually get used to you. And, and then sort of literally come and sit and almost talk to you. Mm-hmm. And while you're doing all this, and because it was lockdown, there was nowhere to go during the daytime. Um, and you didn't want to go anywhere because both of us are susceptible to COVID. And so it was very, very important that we just did not mix with anybody. So nighttime was my time to go out and get some exercise. <laughs> and when you've got day after day, you could hold a thought in your mind for a very long time. And you can follow a train of thought in a way that when you're mixing with people, you can't. It's always being bashed up against other things. And I found my consciousness was was changing. And this, as it turned out, happened for millions of people during lockdown. I mean, you 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 must have come across this. Mm-hmm. That a lot of people found this awakening through lockdown. Of course, a lot of people didn't. They just mm-hmm. went further and further into sort of like the alcohol and drinking or whatever it was. But other people started to sort of change their thinking. Consequently, if you go on YouTube and you follow certain things up, there's been a massive uplift of consciousness through various esoteric things. It's like a new age that we're moving into, but with a higher consciousness. So let's, we've already talked about this a little bit, but finding your way from back to your art and then uh, leading into your new relationship, which you had mentioned. And so, yeah, just uh, how, how did that proceed and lead to the next phase? When you get to over into your late 60s, um, starting a new relationship, well, it's kind of, you think, oh, no, no, I, I, you know, 
don't need any of this. Thank you very much. And so I went in and I met someone and I had no intention whatsoever of getting involved. We met at the Royal Academy under this one particular picture, which is very significant to us. And we, we started to write to each other <clears throat> and she was interested in my stories and she knew somebody within the theatre, the theatre needed somebody to do some work on a play and I'm in the Japanese community now because I've spent quite a lot of time in Japan. And little by little we found that we absolutely clicked on so many levels. Not, not the physical thing, that was just, we, we just really liked each other. And the more we've discovered about each other, the more we found we had in common with each other. And so I, she said, would you like to come up to London? And the, I came to London and I just stayed and, and it developed into, in a good, healthy relationship, something I've never thought of, but on a completely different level. Because as a young man, you don't have time to spend a year having a pen pal and learning to find out all about this person before you commit yourself to anything we just jump in if you could compare and contrast um the way that your current partner and your previous partner felt about your artwork and about your your creative pursuit um do you feel like um one is more has been more nurturing than the other and and how is that created how has that affected what you work on i think both were very very nurturing uh, are very nurturing but if for example you have a, a molecular scientist and they get really more and more interested in molecular science and they discover all kinds of things they want to talk about it partners can only listen to so much if they have no knowledge of it and and it rapidly they just they want the person to continue doing what they're doing and they want them to grow but they also knowing that they're getting further and further away this is a nice relationship when you want somebody to go forward but you know that you're drawing apart and a wise person says right i can only go this far with you i hope that you meet somebody who can go the next part of the journey with you and that's exactly what did happen. Both are lovely, lovely, lovely people. Very fortunate boy to have been with them. One thing I kind of have been thinking about, was thinking about uh, when I was reading one of your emails to me about learning to walk backwards, was that the, uh, so, some of it was like, um, to me, resonated as like an apt analogy for sort of undoing all of the societal programming uh to get to a place of creativity um and i don't know if if that was intentional on your part or if that's something you think about uh but just oh, like i think you've hit the i think you've hit the nail totally on the head okay it has many <laughs> levels doesn't it mm -hmm. because that's exactly what you're doing you're 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 going back you're you're being reborn um but now how do you use that as a practice well if you want to make a significant change in your psychological makeup because you feel you're just not making that breakthrough, then do something that rewires your brain. And the one way I discovered to rewire your brain is to learn to walk backwards physically. <laughs> you have to, first of all, stand there 
and you have to practice this and don't be just sort of going through your mind once you stand there you work out what muscles you're going to do how you're going to do it and and then you try it and you think well that that feels really strange and you think no i'm going to go on with this until i can walk backwards naturally absolutely naturally the classic um, example is michael jackson in his moonwalking mm -hmm. i mean there he makes it look as though he's actually going back it's fantastic so you're using the same thinking and you practice and slowly you find you become more fluent with it it's like doing everything with your left hand if you're right-handed or the mm -hmm. other way around it's ever so hard to start with but after a while the brain clicks and it becomes perfectly natural i've done this in my artwork many many times and that's the change that you need because your brain turns over and that's usually the impetus to go forward but you have to start with thinking it through in your mind and then practicing it until you get until it flows when it flows and you're in the zone mm -hmm. and in the zone you know you've made it and you can apply whatever it is that you need i feel like that is very similar a lot of the times uh, to learning music. Like when you're learning music, it's uh, you have to think about it a lot. You have to concentrate on what you're doing uh, when you're learning parts and it takes a long time. And then, you know, eventually, uh, eventually you can do it without too much thought. And then eventually, if you keep doing it repetitively and repetitively, uh, it becomes to the point where you're thinking about something entirely different while you're exactly. doing it. Exactly. You're totally in a new dimension, a new world. Yes. You've mentioned some in some of your writing and in some of our correspondences, there's like there seems to be a separation between wart and between Christian. Um, and I want to see how you feel about that, because you reference them separately. But I, I I wanted to see like like how you view that separation. Right. I think that's a, almost the subject for a complete program. Um, I was brought up in a very Christian family and, and next to being an artist, I wanted to join the church and I became a teacher. I've always been massively interested in Christianity and all religions, really. Um, I had, some, had all kinds of experiences through the church, which I'm not happy about because I had a lot of what people would call psychic experiences. But the church told me that, that I was I had a possession problem. And this was and so I, I went through maybe five years of, of Christian therapy. Anyway, and I still maintained my strong Christian beliefs. Uh, right up until a certain point where I thought, I don't know anymore. I've got to, I'm going to spend a little time putting it on one side and saying no. And even the guilt of you can't do that because you're a Christian. And all of a sudden, when I did this, and all this, all this is bound up at the same time, the awakening, I started to see Christianity and the, the teachings as being completely different from the church. And as I saw the teachings and the church separate, obviously, it's the teachings that you, you follow. The teachings of Christ Jesus and the things he said are just so profound. On, on an intellectual level, on every single level, it's not an airy-fairy 
dancing around or whatever. It's it's straightforward. It's as, uh, like the Tao. It's like the 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 the, the writings from all the different religions. They all saying the same thing. And when you realize that, you realize, well, the church is something completely different. The church is the egoic self. The 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 teachings are the higher self, and that's what you follow. For some people, it's it's easier for to understand the teachings of the Tao than it is the teachings we'll say of Christ, because his message was just very simple. It's straightforward, you know, love everybody. Um, and the kingdom of heaven is to look inside yourself. When you can be in, feel complete with inside yourself, you are in a spiritual state. It doesn't mean that you've suddenly become a Christian. It means that you have lifted yourself up from um, 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 a lower level to a higher level. But there are many levels to sort of go through. And then we're taught not to question. And if you question, then you'll feel guilty. And the, for me, it took a very long time to kick out the Christian guilt. But with, with, with persistence, you see through it. I'm not saying you, you, you kick it out, you re, it's like, any negative thought, you push it to one side and replace it with something positive. And if you do that and continue to think like that, you do not move away from the teachings of Christianity, the teachings of Christ Jesus, the teachings of all those teachers. You move forward and it will lead you forward. It becomes a way of life. And it's very easy to become a way of life because a lot of people think, oh, it's Christian. They go around doing all these goody goody things. I couldn't possibly do that. But when it starts to happen, it just naturally takes over. And well, it just happens. It was only during lockdown that I was able to sort of concentrate on these kind of questions um, without other thoughts coming in, because lockdown basically was an open door and timeless. And you could hold, as I said, a single thought. For, for days at a time. And gradually you're thinking, well, I think it, I think it starts to polarize towards something. When else do we get a chance, John, in this busy life to dedicate so much time, except when under complete stress, like the sudden knowledge that you're going to die because you've got cancer. And then everything else just gets pushed out of the side and you have to concentrate that you've got this. It's like a, an alcoholic. He has to hit the bottom before he can look up and follow instructions. It's always to do with stress. But stress can be positive stress. Falling in love is positive stress. I mean, look what it does to us. I mean, you've been through it, I've been through it. It makes fools of us, complete fools of us. And we do it absolutely willingly because it feels so good and it feels so right. Thank you for listening to the Talking Writing Podcast. And stay tuned for a short bonus episode about Wart's meditation practices in his creation of art, available exclusively to our paid Substack subscribers. We're an independent literary site and nonprofit organization based in the Boston area but with contributors from around the world. Since our founding in 2010, 
We've relied on donations to keep publishing and podcasting. To donate to TW, you can use the donate button on the rss.com page of this podcast or visit talkingwriting.com slash donate. And of course, feel free to drop us a line at editor at talkingwriting.com.